And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer at the Athletic. With my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's happening, Eric? What's up, Dave? Well, we got uh, we're down to the last week. How about that, man? It's it's such a long season, but in the end, you look back and you go, okay, we're here now. I mean, it's like, it feels like a long time ago that we were at spring training, though. When these guys go, it just flew by. I'm like, no, it didn't. It didn't just fly <laughs> yeah. by. Spring training never flies by. I mean, none of the this season, flew though, by, I mean. Uh, the season, though, I would almost forget that it was a possibility that it ended until September. <laughs> you know, because you, you kind of get to August and you think we're getting close, and then August feels like 70 days. But... Once September hits, for whatever reason, it yeah. always seems to kind of just be like, I think because you're so used to how long it is. Yeah. September hits and it's like, we got three weeks left and then you got two and then you're like, yeah, this is our last home stand or last road trip, last home stand, we're done. I think it's like, as you get older, when you're a kid and summer feels like it's eternal, it feels like it lasts forever. When you're like yeah. 10 years old, yeah. summer, it's like summer and it's like you do everything in summer, three yeah. months of summer vacation. But as you get older... And older, summer is just a blip. It's three months. And three months in the context of a 10-year-old's life is totally different than three months in the context of a 50-year-old's life. It's yep. just like that. Well, the same thing with a, with baseball. When you're starting in February, you're looking at seven and a half months ahead, eight, yeah. eight plus with the postseason, and it crawls by. But then you get to September, you've already gone through six, seven months. You've got, you know, then it's like, okay, we're down to three weeks. So it does feel you know, fast. Yeah. So, but here we are. We're down to six and they're all at home. So the Braves are done traveling. And since they got a first round bye and home field advantage, it's nice too, because you don't have to worry about going anywhere on the road for a wild card. You don't have to worry about going on the road till the middle games of a division series. So they're home now for uh, two and a half weeks. Yeah. You'd figure most of these guys would sign seven month leases, you know, not six. If you're playing for this kind of team, but sometimes team. you finish and you're like, where do I, a lot of guys have to move into hotels at this point? That would suck, man. Yeah. You're trying to hear the most important part of the season and you're worried about moving and yeah. I and mean, I'm sure the team takes care of getting you a place, but you got to move and everything. Yeah. They'll get you a hotel. So, oh yeah. And, and yeah. And what do you do with all your stuff that you've had in like a house or an apartment? You got to have, put it in storage it somewhere, right? Pile it up, send it home. Um, so man, I don't know what quite what to think of this team when, whereas, I mean, I don't want to be pessimistic, but I don't want to also be just uh, rose colored glasses. I mean, I thought for all season, this team was clearly the best team in baseball and when healthy, they are clearly the best team in baseball and their offense might be the best offense in history. You know, it's that good, but man, you lost two of your top three starters in back-to-back nights both to index finger issues, 
Max Fried goes down with another blister, recurrence of the blister after nine days of rest from the previous blister, crops up again, and they had to drain it. So it was, you know, it was there, seriously there. So they put him on the IL after his Friday start, and then our Thursday start, and then Charlie at, at uh, D.C. Charlie Morton starts Friday. He leaves the game with an index finger thing, and his was diagnosed. At first, it, looked, it sounded like it might be something that would end his year period and maybe his career, and you're thinking that would suck if that ended his career on that note. It was uh, apparently no tear or anything. Did an MRI. Uh, it's inflammation in there, but he was on the IL. Makes him ineligible for the division series because of how that falls. The 15-day period falls with the first day. It's after the first day of the division series, so he's not eligible to be put on that roster. A lot of people said, yeah, but you could have him replace an injured player <coughs> during the division series, but the Braves made it clear. They said, we're not thinking that at all. We're getting him ready for the NLCS. So unless they were just to completely backpedal on what they've told all of us individually uh, off the record, that they're not even thinking about that, that they're going to get him ready for the NLCS. The good thing is, the positive on that is, you'll get Max Free back. He can pitch one game one or game two of the division series. And then you have Spencer Strider to pitch the other of those games, whichever. And the great thing is, it really plays to the Braves' favor. We ref- we uh, we mentioned this last podcast. This year, on the NL side of the bracket, there's an extra day built into the schedule after game one of the division series. Last year, that was on the AL side. In effect, what it means is you don't need a fourth starter for the division series at all. And you yep. can have those one and two starters make four of the five starts if you play five-game series. That's pretty big in the Braves' case with where they are if they're pitching. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, it, for me, it all just hinges on if Max's blister. I mean, if you can get that thing under control, you're looking good for that series. But right, right now, I mean, Elder might be your number two if, if he's if Max isn't right. Cool. Um yeah, you, th- you got to think Max's finger will be okay, um, at least to give you like five innings or whatever. But th- then the problem is you're going to have to bring him back on regular rest, which they haven't even pitched much on regular rest at all this year. They've been getting yep. five days most of the time or even six. Um, but the other thing is it's just how few innings he will have pitched in like a three-and-a-half-week span. Yeah. You know? He made that one start. He had nine days rest before that one start. Now he's going to have 15 days before his next start. So you're talking about pitching however many innings he pitched the other day as his only appearance in three and a half weeks. Yeah, and luckily, I mean, each time he's come back from a little bit of a layoff, yep. he's looked pretty good. Yep. Um, he's the type of guy I think can handle it. But, yeah, I mean, if <laughs> – you just saw what happened last year in the division series. A couple bad starts from. I mean, it, you yeah. could, it's the, the hardest thing about baseball for me is you can be this team all year, hands yeah. down best yeah. team. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody really argued they were the best team in baseball for a whole season. Couple things pop up. Yeah, anybody can beat you, you know. And I, I think this team is better than that, especially you know having an offense like they do. You're not asking somebody to go six, seven shutout. Yeah. Yeah. If you get three, if your starter gives up three runs in seven innings, or you just give up three in the first seven, however you do it, you're probably winning a majority of those games, which isn't always the case in the playoffs when you're facing really good pitching. Right. Right. 
Yeah, I mean the you know the old adage is good pitching beats good hitting. But this um, is not. This is like ridiculous. This is hitting. great hitting. Yeah, this is like all time hitting. Mm-hmm. So and while they're facing, they're going to be facing really good pitching. It's not the kind of pitching you faced not that long ago when teams came into it with like two or three really great starters who went like seven or eight innings. It's yeah. not that level of pitching. Yeah. You know, the Brewers have three that have been going really well. Phillies have been pitching a lot better lately, but still you're talking, you're not talking about guys who are going to be out there for seven, eight innings. Phillies yeah. bullpen is a lot better than it used to be. Um, Brewers is not as good as it used to be. Dodgers, the, you know, as much as the Braves were having problems with their starting pitching, it's amazing what the Dodgers have done this year with their starting rotation, being so many guys hurt, suspended, arrested, whatever. The, how they've pieced it together is pretty remarkable, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you'd think, like, especially – I always think of the Phillies. They had Oswald, Cliff Lee, Roy Holiday, um, Hamels. Th- that type of pitching, okay, that – that good pitching beats good hitting, but that's great pitching. But it's, they beat Nola. Wheeler's yeah. been tough. Oh yeah, they've beaten um, everybody. They've beaten all the good pitchers this year. They've they've beat anybody that you've thrown at them. There's not it, there's not a guy in the league like that anymore. Where you're, there's not a Degrom showing up. Right, right. They've rocked uh, Wheeler once. He got the mm-hmm. best of them for the most part in his career, but they rocked him once this year. Uh, you know, they've, they've hit good hitting. I mean, they've hit good pitching. It's not like in a past maybe where you said they really capitalized on bad pitchers, back of the rotation pitchers. They've, they've killed a lot of st- great starters this year, very good starters. Yeah. I mean, they went out to L.A. and won three out of four, you know. Didn't face great pitching, but, you know, Kershaw's only going five innings these days. You know, it's just – it's different right now. There's no DeGroms. Verlander's not what he was. Scherzer's certainly not what he was. I mean, there's not guys right now that are going to go out there – and shove for eight innings. He's just on. Yeah. So yeah. that's the positive, I guess. But, man, it's just not – yeah, it, it, for, the, for the Braves it sucks because they have been so good for so long this year. Um, I guess it could be worse, you know, because you're going to get you, – you, you should get free back. It's not the kind of injury that he's done for the season. And you should get uh, – you should get uh, – I mean, I, I know it's a finger ligament or some kind of inflammation there, but you got to think Charlie's going to be okay by the NLCS. They're going to have a lot of time to work on that. And yep. and and I really like them if Freeze okay, Strider's okay, and Charlie. I mean, it's still like they're they're pitching as much as anybody's, except maybe yep. the Brewers starters. I think the problem is you would feel a lot better about their chances, even with these starting pitching uh, ailments. If the bullpen was pitching the way it did for half the season. Yeah. The bullpen was nails for a while there. They had it really going on. I mean, they had the formula going down. I mean, they had like four or five guys that were really, you know, just close to unhittable for a while. Iglesias, you you had Mentor there. Uh, uh, You had Joe Jimenez was really had come around and was pitching the way they had uh, anticipated when they got him after the, you know, coming back from the back thing. Now that's not the case, and I was looking at the September stats, and it's a bit alarming, man. It's a little concerning. They have the Braves have a five six two ERA in September that ranks twenty eighth in the majors, ahead of only the Nats and the Rockies. 
while the Nats and the Rockies are 7-15 and 15 each in the month, 7-15 records, the Braves are 12-11 and 11 because they're slugging, they're hitting. The Rangers yeah. are only 27th in ERA for the month at 5-4-9, and they're also 13-10 and 10 for the month. Same thing, hitting, slugging. Those two teams' offense has carried them this month. The Braves lead the majors, 46 homers, 839 OPS for the month. Rangers are second, 43 homers, fourth in OPS at 821. So these are two teams that, and the Rangers are going to win that West now. These are two teams that are really riding their offenses in spite of the pitching, you know, for the month. But I don't know that that's a formula you really can trust all the way through the postseason, but that's what they're doing right now. I mean, that. The only difference for me is um, normally when you'd have the, that saying said, you know, good pitching, pitching great beats great hitting um, or whatever. Normally you'd have that said, it's you got this like middle of the lineup that's just nitro. And the bottom's decent. Top's okay. But the, you'd have this like three, four, five or one, two, one through four or something like that in the lineup that was just so hard to get through most of the time, but a good pitcher gets through them. This team is so deep. I just, it's just, it's a different type of lineup, you know? I mean, it's, they could, they could, they could get a four spot out of the bottom half of the lineup at any point. And then you got to go right, roll right into the top. Um, That's what gives me confidence is even if the pen's not locked in, the starting isn't great. Yeah. If they just do okay throwing the ball, they can beat teams eight to six. Yeah. They beat teams eight to six, eight, seven. They've done it all year. Yeah. Yeah. And also, some of these guys that have, that have struggled pitching wise in September are not going to be factors in the postseason, especially with the off days that you have built in. You have three off days built into a five-game series in the division series, which is kind of unusual. Yeah. So you're really not going to have to ride. You're not going to have to get anything out of a four- and five-starter. And you could plug Kyle Wright, really encouraging the other day. His first yeah. relief appearance since 2019 goes in. They wanted to try him out this week, see if he maybe is better suited for that, for right now where he is to help them. Yeah. And I think he is better suited to help them right now out of the pen. Um, maybe they have to revisit that if if they really don't uh, trust uh, Elder for a postseason start. But he's pitched better than than Kyle has as a starter. But Kyle came in and pitched really three good innings. Gave up one run, but he pitched three good innings off, uh, in his yep. first relief appearances. First relief appearance the other day. Um, so that was encouraging. That was and you can if he could do something like that in a postseason game, that really helps a lot with some of these yeah, other really well, struggling. That's you see that in the postseason a lot too, and and another huge guy's mentor, and you've seen him do it before. But yeah, Snip being able to push that button, especially with an extra off day of the mentor comes in and has like a ten pitch inning, roll him back out, you know, and you get an off day. He's going to be ready for the next game. You don't have to think about that. Um, He's been huge in that aspect of being able to go, you know, one and two thirds or one and a third of not just like get through it, but dominate and shut down a game. That's a nice uh, button for Snit to be able to push. And Wright could turn into that guy. Chavi's that guy sometimes. You know, early, you could do that in the fifth or sixth. Having guys that can go multiple um, is huge. And not everybody's got a guy that can go multiple, but usually it's like he goes three when we're down seven, nothing. But having guys that can go multiple in, in the most crucial situations of the game, not a lot of bullpens have that. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And Chavi, that's another really encouraging development. Him coming back, yeah. he's looked really good. He's like picked up right where he left off, and uh, when he when he got hurt, that's impressive. I didn't know how that would be after that long layoff and with a leg, and he shows no signs of that. He didn't even. He was going. He had told the guys, the broadcasters, that he was going to take the bullpen card in. He bitched out, but he blew it off, <laughs> and he looked good running in too. He had no. It didn't like it was mm-hmm. favoring the leg at all. Yeah, uh, David, I wanna, I, that jog kind of gets you loose. You know, I mean, yeah. that's that's kind of your last. Get yeah. the heart rate up moment, you know, jogging into the uh, mound. So I would never want to ride a cart, but I thought he might do it just to be chubby. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if the situation was a little different, you know, you hadn't lost a couple starting pitchers, you weren't trying to hold on to that home field advantage, well, all that. Just- uh, that's kind of the thing is it's like, it's not, you do it and like you're up eight nothing or something like that. Right. You don't, you don't want to do a clown moment in the middle of a, right. be, just because if you're dicking around and taking the bull part, bullpen cart and being funny and then you give up three and you lose yeah, the yeah, game. Like, oh, that was real funny. <laughs> Good joke, buddy. Very funny. <laughs> uh, David Uncaged. David Uncaged says, well, we actually have home field advantage this year. Last year it wasn't scheduled that way. The Braves' home games were midday, midweek. Philly got night, weekend. All The Braves' postseason is sold out. This isn't like a Turner Field, man. They have sold out their postseason games. So those crowds are going to be there day or night. We've had day games this year during the during the regular season with sold-out day games, and the place was packed. It wasn't like 10,000 empty seats either with the 42,000 given away or sold. It was all used. So there's no doubt in my mind, this place is going to be packed for the postseason. I think he's just talking about the game times in general that you get stuck with if you're not – there's West Coast games that kind of messes it up, but yeah, I, I when, feel when like – the Dodgers are in it, they're immediately going to get a night start. I, yeah, I think that's bullshit. But, but they're always I get be. why it happens for ratings and everything, but yeah. I mean, the Braves have been the best team in baseball all year. I feel like they should right. put that into something where – But it's ratings. Let's get the – yeah. But the sucks. Braves get ratings round. It's not like it used to be, though. They're not a boring team. They're the I most exciting team. I think they're at that team. point now. Yeah, so I would hope so. if it wasn't the Dodgers – if it wasn't the West Coast Dodgers, the Braves would get that premier spot. It's not like going yeah. to the Yankees, you know. It's this. Is, the right. Braves are up there now. They've they've yeah. they've arrived as far as you know. Acuna's the most exciting player in the game. Everybody says that. The team is this, with the home run record. I mean, that, they're not getting short shifted. And uh, and if they didn't, you're talking about the Phillies getting the night weekend. Well, that's just the way the schedule. Braves had home field advantage. If the, if last year, if the Braves would have played those middle games, they would have got. The the yeah. Philly start times. I mean, yeah. But the Dodgers, you got to look at it as you can't start a, a a game at one o'clock with the Dodgers 
at four o'clock yeah, East playing, Coast, yeah. one o'clock out there, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, but anyway. Those times throw you off, though. You know, like a there was like an 11 o'clock or something yeah. like that. Those ones, when they have all, everybody playing on the same day, yeah. that just – your body gets used to waking up and being ready at a certain time, and all of a sudden you got a 12-30 game or something. It's the biggest game of the year. I always hated that. And I tell you what, it also hurts the Braves that they don't play as many day games as other teams do either, and that's because of the stadium. We've talked about this before, but they don't play as many day games as other teams because of the parking situation at the stadium. Because all these yeah. offices around there that whose parking they use at night yep. can't use it during the day. So people have to park a long way away and take shuttles and everything in. And it's just a real pain in the ass for them. So they, when they can avoid it, they do. The only yep. time they really schedule day games is getaway day when the team's got to fly like more than two hours or, or a couple of time zones. So they're even less acclimated to playing day games than most teams are. Yeah. And they're not as good. They haven't been. This year, they've been a lot better than they were last year in day games. That's for sure. Last year, they were not good at all in day games. So that didn't help when they had to play them in the postseason. Yeah, and you um, get those awkward start times where you have shadows for the last four innings oh, of the yeah. game. Yeah. I mean, and you're there's just not, not a lot they can do it. about some of that stuff, but it it's tough. Yeah, and it sucks because you play one way all year. You play at these specific start times all year, and then all of a sudden you're starting at a, at a – at a completely different time in a postseason. So you're like, okay, do I start doing my routine at this hour? Let me count back the number. You know, it's just all a little different. People might think, okay, that shouldn't be that hard. But when you play 162 games and they're all, you know, structured regimen, then all of a sudden, yeah. okay, we're going we're gonna to start this one at three. You know, it's, it's different. It's different. Then you get a day game. You never in the season get a day game after a day off. Never. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, I mean that that day off, your yeah. body kind of goes to sleep, and then you come back. You got a night game. You have about six hours at the field, moving around, doing baseball stuff to wake up. If you have a one o'clock game or something like that, I mean, it kind of just turns you into it puts you in rush mode, and you never feel awake for it. And with this offense, man, you don't want those days off. You want it for the pitching, but you don't want it for the offense. No. You, you want to pound people for three straight days, four straight yeah. days, like you do during a regular series. Um. I had something else here. Uh, oh. The Twins have scored more runs this month than the Braves. That's it. They're, the Braves are slugging. 505. They have maintained this slugging percentage, dude. They're going to keep them on pace. They're going to become the first team in history to slug 500 in a full season. 500. As well as keeping them on pace to beat the Twins' uh, 2019 single-season home run record of 307, which was set in a juiced ball year because the Yankees were right behind him with 306. How many more Braves are going? Braves should blow that away. They got 299 with six games to play against the Cubs and then the Nats. They finished with the Nats. So that's almost certainly going to fall. And I would think they probably beat it by about three or four at least. Ronald needs two steals to get to 4070. Snit rested for the. I can't believe he got series. on every time he doesn't just go first pitch right now. I mean, because you saw how much 40 40 meant to him. Yeah. I thought it was smart for Snit to rest him in that game. Everybody's like, why, is he, why isn't Acuna playing? But it's like, can you imagine if he would have played him in both ends of that doubleheader Sunday and Acuna gets hurt in the second game? Was it like, wet too? Yeah, it was. It was like raining yeah. off and on. But it's like, okay, why in the world is Acuna playing in the second game no. of a doubleheader against the Nats? To get two steals for 40-70? Yeah. That would have been hell to pay if he'd have got hurt in the second game of that yeah. doubleheader. So you rest him, and I was count- I was 
thinking about this in my head because the first game, it was a split doubleheader. First one started at like 1230. So it was over like 3, 330. So by resting him, not playing him in the second game, which would have ended at about 10, he gets another six hours of rest. He gets the Monday off. He goes like 40, uh, 52 hours between games. So that's a nice little rest for Acuna for this yeah. last six game. I think he'll play him all six games the rest of the way, unless he either shows some fatigue or whatever. I know he's going to play his regular lineup and go all out for these three Cubs three games against the Cubs. Cubs are in it, you know, they're re- in for the for the uh, you know the sanctity of the schedule and the playoff race and all that. Snit's big on that stuff, and plus the Braves want to maintain home field advantage, which right now they're still in control. Everybody was so worried about him blowing it. They're still in control of that completely. Yeah. They're three and three and a half games ahead of the uh, Dodgers and the O's for that with six games yeah. to play. So, And you get those few days off after the after the season ends too. Right. So I don't know. I've, I've Most players I talk to and, and me especially, I, you keep going. Like you don't want to break anything up. You don't want to let off that gas pedal. You got a whole off season to rest. Um, it just seems like it's so easy to get into a bad habit with some rest, you know, have yeah. something change in your swing, have something go off mechanically. I mean, if you, if you're going well, unless somebody says, if, unless somebody has something that's kind of nagging them and you want to kind of try to right. get it right. flushed out, otherwise keep playing them. And now you got six games to play. I think I'll play them all. Maybe one or two will get a day of rest, but I think most of these guys are going to play. They're all the rest of the way. And then you're going to play, They've got a couple of simulated games at least planned for that downtime this year. They're going to go at it more intense than they did last year for sure. They're not going to have – I don't think – I don't know that they're going to have more than like one day off before they get back at it and stay sharp, try to stay sharp before the thing. They learned – they think they learned from last year because that didn't work, what they did last year. But – I mean, the, it, the risk of that is just you do some sim game and somebody gets hit in the wrist or something like that. You know, I mean, I, th- I think teams have reasons for wanting to stay away from that. You don't want anyone to get hurt during that time, but I mean, you risk coming out sluggish. It's, it's such a, I think it's just new. So I think teams are just having to learn how to, what the best process is. And you got other pitchers that you can use too, that are on the, that won't be on the division series roster that you can use for most of the innings in those games, if you play them. So, you know, and then your hitters can just stay sharp against real pitching. Yeah. I just think you got to do that because it's just too long a break. You don't want the same thing to happen. You can't let the same thing happen Mm-mm. that happened a year ago. Um, other thing, uh, was looking at talking about the pitching in September. Oh, first of all, how about this? The Braves have 299 home runs. They got 25% more homers than the next highest major league total. That's that's crazy. The Dodgers have 240. The Braves have 25% more homers than the Dodgers. That's how you know it's different because in that that twins year the Yankees lost by what we're one. one home run short right yeah that's how you know it was a ball yeah. you don't find that in any other category this team might have four hundred with a juice ball uh, yeah the Braves have this is a, this is crazy here the Braves have five of the top eleven National League home run hitters which you might have thought would happen in Colorado or something or Cincinnati. It never has, but you would think if it's going to happen, it's going to happen somewhere like that. Not in a, in a field that's pretty, that's neutral. It's a neutral field and they've done it on the road as much as at home. Five of the top 11 home run hitters in the national league. Matt Olson's first with 53. Acuna's fourth with 40. Austin Riley is sixth with 37. Marcelo Zuna has 36. He's tied with Max Muncy and Jorge Soler at seventh. 
And then Ozzie Albies is 11th with 32. Five players with 32 or more homers in one lineup. And two more, Sean Murphy and Eddie Rosario, have got 21 apiece, like not even playing every day. I remember when 25 homers was a good year. 25-30, was a big-time power hitter. Yeah. Big time. Like the elite power hitters had 30. Yeah. Uh, by the way, th- those two have – they're like s- tied for sixth on the team with 22 apiece. Uh, with 21 apiece, they are one behind Dansby Swanson. Mm. Who's having a good year with the Cubs, has 22 homers. This will be his first time back, right? First time back. Not until the end of the season. Last week of the season. He's going to talk to us today at like 4.30 in the Cubs dugout. But we already talked to him in Chicago. You know, I don't know what the hell he's going to yeah. say. It's new. So. But we'll get him. We'll see. I'm sure that it, it'll be interesting to see the reception because we saw what they did with Freddie. I think he'll get, you know, something similar. Maybe not as maybe not as overwhelming as Freddie, the standing O, that Freddie got like m- multiple times. But uh, I also don't think he'll hit a home run. I think everybody go, okay, screw that. The guy's a, the guy's a dodger now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's, he deserves it. I mean, won a World Series, first yeah. class act the whole time. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't. There's no knock on him. Yeah, the only thing some people have resented is some of his comments that he's made since then. And I'm like, it's kind of surprised me a little bit when he said like the other night about the Cubs' atmosphere. He goes, "I've rarely played anywhere that had that kind of atmosphere." I'm like, dude, are you kidding? You played, you won a World Series here. Mm. <laughs> he's talking about the atmosphere, which was loud the other day in the Cubs game when they came from behind. And one, yeah, but come on, you played you a World Series. It was louder you can't tell than, me it's than truest, <laughs> truest, and Houston that year, and the Dodger Stadium and the NLCS. Wrigley, I mean, when when they're good, Wrigley is a party. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's top notch, but and it's so small that it's kind of like a small basketball arena because everything's on top yeah. of each other, you know. So it does it does get loud, but um. Yeah, and it, just a couple of the things he said, you know, that since he left, have, have rubbed some people the wrong way. I don't think he meant anything. A lot of times him, you're but, just you're just trying to play to your own fan base. Yeah, exactly. That's that's more yeah. than, than anything. Dansby's like, oh, I'm a Cub now. I'm going to be a Cub for a long time. I might as well yep. start trying to become a favorite of the Cubs and say the right thing. Let's things. get in good, <laughs> right? And he probably also said he probably also saw what Freddie did. And said, yeah. I don't want that. I don't want Dodgers wondering, am I happy to even be here? I said, I'm sure he's noticed that, the, the yeah. blowback on Freddie's comments, which Freddie yeah. overcame pretty quick because he's Freddie and he, way, the way he plays. But there was initial blowback where, you know, Kershaw's comment, I just hope he's glad to be here and everything. You know, we're a pretty good team to play for too, that kind of thing. Dansby didn't want anything of that to do with that. No, I think he learned that lesson. Yeah. Um, getting back to September and why I'm concerned even though the Braves have the, still the greatest offense maybe of all time, certainly of the recent decades. Five players with 32 more homers in one lineup. But here's the pitching in September. And these are key guys. These are guys that are on the active roster. Kyle Wright, 9.90 ERA in three games September, including two starts and his relief appearance the other day, which was encouraging, as I said. Those two starts were bad. Michael Tonkin, a guy who was huge for you all year. It was kind of like your McHugh. Uh, you know, that long guy for all year that stepped up and, and surpassed all expectations. 8.44 ERA in eight appearances in September. 12 hits, 10 runs, 10 or two-thirds innings. And some of these guys, it was one or two outings, but I'm just giving you. Brad Hand, who was pitching great after the trade deadline, but now 7.71 ERA in eight appearances, six hits, six runs, and seven innings. Most of that was one really bad outing. Kirby Yates, 
another guy had really stepped into it. He's in a high leverage role now. I mean, he's closing some games now. 6.75 ERA in seven games in September. Six hits, five runs, six and two-thirds. Spencer Strider, 5.64 ERA in four games, although a three-and-one record, 29 strikeouts and six walks in 22 and a third innings. I think his was the one bad, bad game. Joe Jimenez, this is a concern, 5.14 ERA in eight September games, seven hits, four runs, three homers in seven innings. Rossell Iglesias, like I said, he was almost unhittable. He was like really pitching great, had that scoreless streak going for a couple of months. uh, 4.50 ERA in eight games in September, two blown saves and five chances, 13 hits, seven runs, four earned, three homers in eight innings. And then Bryce Elder, who you're going to count on, obviously, now. You have to. He would have been your number four. You may not have needed him at all in the division series. You wouldn't have, but you do now. 4.57 ERA in four September starts, 21 hits, 11 runs, four homers. And here's the one that bothers me a lot. 10 walks in 21 and two-thirds innings this month. Charlie, who's not on the active roster right now, will be for the NLCS, they hope. Uh, 6.89 ERA in four September starts. That's a lot of guys that you're counting on to really turn it around and and flip the switch for the postseason. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the shit just happens. But the only way to look at it, if you're the Braves, is at least we're getting it out of our system now. Right. Because you got to think, I mean, nobody's hot all season. And a lot of this team was hot. (laughs) Right. Almost all. The bullpen was great all year. I mean, there's been a couple little rough spots for each guy, but – you kind of have you kind of have spells like this, and you know when it happens with the season on the line, it's a big deal. When it happens early in April, it's a big deal. What's wrong with the bullpen? Right. I mean, there's not a time where right. when everything goes south that it's not a big deal and you don't notice it. But it's better now than in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think there's also a little bit of a uh, anticlimactic month. I mean, even though they didn't clinch until they were in Philly, they knew they were going to clinch. Yeah, I mean, and it's been bad work- since. The hard work had been done. It had been accomplished before mm-hmm. you even got to September. You knew you were going to clinch. It was just a matter of when. Um, and some of those guys had really pitched their asses off to earn a high leverage spot in the bullpen. To get like Yates had, had struggled early. He knew his kind of job was on the line. He needed to pitch well to get a high leverage job. Yeah. Menez was coming back from the back thing. He came back and got there. So maybe there's a little bit of a letdown. Couple of those guys, it was only one really bad outing. Brad Hand, I think I trust him. He's pitched really well. He had a bad outing or two, but um, so we'll see. I mean, there are some some mitigating factors that uh, can contribute to that. You just you just wish it wouldn't have been like the whole staff, the starting rotation, and getting hurt and the, and all the bullpen. You know, guys, a lot of them struggling. Same month, yeah. But it's all timing, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's like there's say you go into the playoffs, start July fifteenth, you might go through the whole thing without losing game. Yeah. If they were playing you know? the way they did for a while there, <laughs> it's, it's they were all just timing. blitzing teams. They were killing yeah. teams. Yeah. They had that stretch coming out of the break. Remember where they just buried everybody? That's what I'm saying. If they could have got it, the post started the postseason right then, it was like, holy shit, nobody could even stay on the field with these guys. Yeah. Um, guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Phillies, here's something that potentially is problematic for Atlanta. The Phillies are tied for third in the majors with 40 homers in September and they're third in the majors, first in the National League and with 94 walks for the month. They're hitters. It's a different, more disciplined Phillies team. Um, even Schwerber, who's hitting under 200, he still walks a ton. Strikes yeah. out a ton, but he walks a ton too. Got a decent on-base percentage to go with all the home runs. And their pitchers, meanwhile, are right in the middle of the pack with a 4-3-70 area in September. That's a run and a quarter better than the Braves ERA for the month. They, I, they are the team I'm going to be rooting against, you know, just because – I think the I think the Braves can handle anybody's pitching, but I mean, you just you watch the games they play against them, and they're they're one of the first teams I felt like can go blow for blow with the Braves. Yeah, all the games you are know, close just about. Yeah, you get up by five with most teams, you're like, all right, this is comfortable. Yeah, and it happened a few games against the Phillies. They get up early, they get back in that thing because they have so many guys that can do damage, just like the Braves. And they got some salty veterans that you know yeah. this. They know what they're doing right now. This is not going to. At, intimidate them or or make them nervous in the least. Some of these guys yeah. have been through the been through the wars as Snip puts it. I mean you got Trey yeah. Turner, Schwarber, Bryce yep. Harper, all have played in a lot of postseasons. Schwarber and Trey Turner have had a lot of postseason success. They know exactly yep. what it takes to win in a postseason. Harper was good last year. Yep. Yep. So yeah, they're that that that's a team that uh you'd like to avoid facing. At the same time, the Brewers lead the majors in ERA in September, 265. I yeah. mean, that's they've been damn good. 14 and 9 record trails only the Marlins 14 and 8 for the month, the Brewers. And Milwaukee hitters have a 344 OBP this month. That's fourth in the majors. So, I mean, they're a good team too. Council, I think, might be the best manager in baseball, is definitely one of the top three. And he always seems to get his guys going well at the end and into the postseason. Now, if they want it all, no. Um, it usually catches up with them, their depth or whatever in a postseason, but they're always there. You know, they're always playing you tough. That's a good point. Yeah, they're one of those teams you don't really notice, and then they they come on strong and they're doing something late. He's a great manager, man. And and he's he's contracts up, and those idiots haven't re-signed him to a long-term deal. Somebody said the other day, I hear these people on MLB Network talking about, well, council follow Stearns to uh, the Mets. I'm like, okay, I'll eat these words if I'm wrong. But I say no effing way Craig Council takes the New York Mets job. 
He is a Wisconsin native, still lives in the little town outside Milwaukee where he was born and raised. Whitewater, I think it's called. Whitefish or Whitewater. One of those two. White something. And commutes to the ballpark. Notre Dame guy, Midwestern guy, all the way through and through. Loves the whole atmosphere of Milwaukee. It's so much more low-key. The, the, the questions he gets every day from the media, the fan, the expectations, that's completely flipped upside down in New York. Completely different. To me, this point in his career, I mean, unless he just wanted the challenge, but I just cannot see him doing that. I could see him sitting out a year. He's got kids that are like, I think, going high school, going off to college, that kind of thing. I could see him sitting out a year and then taking the job he wants, you, you know, with a Midwestern team or a, or a low-key team somewhere else. But I just – that would shock me to see him go to the Mets. I don't know why – I mean, anybody would want to deal with that, you know, on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like if you are doing really well and have options, that's not right. – it, it's right. just – that's not a circus I'd want to take on. I mean, unless you're a young manager, you got no family commitments and all that, and you like the challenge of doing it, and they blow you away with an offer that is like twice what you're going to get anywhere else. You might be like, I'm going to try this while I'm young. What's the worst that can happen? I can get fired. All right. Maybe that. Or a guy at the end of your career like Showalter, you know? Yeah. But I just can't see Council doing it and where he's from and all that. And Showalter had been on the East Coast and the Eastern Seaboard Cities and all that before. Are you just assuming he's gone? Council? No, Showalter. Uh, I'm not assuming he's gone, but I would think they, if they're in the right minds, they'll fire him. What has he done to deserve it? I know he won match <laughs> of the year last year. What's he done with his team that he deserves to stay? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, everybody says it's not Showalter's fault. Okay. Well, what's he done to deserve to stay though? Yeah. I mean, I get it. It's kind of just, you kind of have to take the blame when you're the manager. But. It seems like he lost the clubhouse to me. I mean, that just... It's not his fault that they put the pieces together that they did because the pieces don't fit. Right. But I don't know. I just – I wasn't impressed last year when he blew a ten-and-a-half game lead and won manager of the year. You right. Know? So, I mean, but if Stearns wants to get his guy, he's going to get a bring counsel, and I just don't think he can. But you would think Stearns would want to hire the guy. He's taken over that job. He wants to be, have full confidence in his manager. Yeah. And you, you really want to – Give the same guys, most of the same guys, to show Walter and expect them just to do it and flip it upside down. If I'm concerned, I'm going to get a guy that I want for that hand pick for that role. If you're putting him in charge of the whole thing, he's got no one to blame now but himself if yeah. he keeps him. So yeah, and you got to change any time a season unfolds like that. You got to change something. You got to. The season was a disaster. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Um, what else? I, I, did I have one more thing? But anyway, we're we're gonna see we're gonna see some good uh, Cubs pitchers in this thing. But uh, Steele, who you would not have wanted to face a couple of weeks ago, he had a couple of really bad outings. So yeah. and he's out of the Cy Young race now. Man, as as crazy as it seems, I I don't think Strider's gonna win it because his ERA is just so high. But you look at his WHIP which is like second in the league. And then the strikeout totals are just astronomical compared to everybody else. Yeah, The only guy that you could clearly say has had a better season and 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 is Snell. But you look at Snell's walks, but his ERA is just so much lower than Strider's. But you look at the walks, the whip, look at Snell's whip compared to Strider's. I looked at it all last night, but I watched Snell pitch last night. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, it's impressive. Yeah, he's good. I, I think he's going to win it. Yeah, but 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 Steele was right there too until these two until he fell on his face and these two 
and Gallon had a couple of bad outings, dropped him out of it. Man, it's like it's not a there's not a it's not the race that it has been in the past. Yeah. Strider will be top three. I think he'll probably be yeah. second. He'll probably be two. I think yeah. Snell gets it. Where did Strider finish last year? I'd have to look that up. I mean, it wasn't real high, I don't think, because he was uh he didn't join the rotation until June. Where did he finish last year? He was rookie of the year runner up. I should know this. I want to say like sixth. Maybe I'm way too high. Yeah, he wasn't. I don't see it next Freed, to his because uh, Freed was Freed was up there. Yeah, Max was up there. Strider going into this season was mentioned as the front runner, and early on he was the front runner. I mean, after two months, he wasn't he was even the front top runner. ten last year. He wasn't top ten. No. Yeah, he didn't have. I just probably didn't have the innings. Yeah, he didn't have the innings in the starts. Freed was second. But Alcantara took it. I mean, oh yeah, that was a runaway last year. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that wasn't even close. That was that was wasn't Alcantara uh, unanimous? I think. Yeah, I think it was thirty first place votes to zero for everybody else. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. And the side doesn't have you don't go ten deep like you do in MVP. So when one guy takes all the first place votes, it kind of narrows the number of people that appear on the ballot. That's why you get so many guys that show up to get. MVP votes because you go 10 deep. Right. So there's a whole lot of guys that'll get like one vote. Which Acuna's got to have that locked up, right? Well, I'm voting. I'm not supposed to say I don't think who I'm voting for, but I think you know okay. who I'm voting for. <laughs> <laughs> I think he has locked it up in the last two weeks, last month. Yeah. Bets, everybody was pointing to his war advantage a month ago when we were out there, remember in LA? Barely Bets, anything now. Bets was player of the month in August, had an unbelievable mm-hmm. August. The, the the three or four weeks since then, Acuna has, I think, narrowed the gap and run away, I think, because the war gap is now almost identical. Yeah, it and was like go, a full point before. And now it's like one-tenth. Yeah. It's 8.1 to 8.0 or something, I think. So if you discount the war, if you if they're equal, Acuna's rest of his stats are clearly better. They're just clearly yeah, he's, better. He's got a better OPS now, too. Yeah, he's clearly better. Yeah. So – I think I don't even. I tell you what, I don't even think it's going to be that close. I thought for sure we were looking at maybe uh, one guy getting twelve first place votes, the other getting ten or fourteen and twelve, and then and then like Freddie and, and getting a couple, maybe that kind of thing. But I think now you're looking at. I'm going to guess Acuna gets twenty out of the thirty. I bet he gets twenty four. Yeah, you think? I, I always think it's like you're going to get a few on the West Coast. Right. Because they watch that guy play more. Right. And you always appreciate the guy that you watch play more. But, I mean, just watching Acuna, I can't imagine a player having a better season minus, you know, right. Barry Bonds and the big hitter. You know, and it's like. And he's doing it on a high-profile team that, you know, yeah. gets a lot of attention. And Acuna gets, everything he does gets played up. It's not like yeah. if he'd have done this on this team three years ago, you know. So, yeah, I think he's going to win it. I think he's going to win it. Wouldn't that be something? Have an MVP, what? Two and three years? No, uh, yeah. uh, Freddie won it in the in the uh, pandemic year, right? Yeah, twenty twenty. So yeah, two and four one, years. Yeah, but two and four years after going yeah. a long time between them before that, going back to Chipper in ninety nine. So anyway, yeah, I mean, it's I I can't I haven't never watched a season more fun to watch than Acuna this year. It's going to go down as the all timer. He's going to have a tough time matching it. I mean. He set the bar so high. 
But, you know, he's, if you look at his age and everything, he's at the point where this should be the, the best years of his career. Yeah. Mean, a lot of guys carry it into their 30s, but, I mean, late 20s, mid to late 20s, is you know, when they they brought the peak down a few years ago, they said it used to be whatever, 28 to 33 or 32, and then they said actually the peak is more like 25 to 29, you know, for yeah, the Yeah, I think guy. it's 25 to 30, somewhere in there. Yeah. You know, 26 to 28 for me is where everybody kind of – you got your full man strength – You've had enough time to learn the league, and you still got ninety five percent of your athleticism. Yeah, yeah and Acuna's still running, which he's not going to do forever. You know, not that he can't, but he's got a certain point. He's probably going to gain a little bit of weight, or he's just going to start feeling the nicks and that kind of thing. Go, okay, it's not worth trying to steal sixty bases yeah. anymore. I think he's still a couple of years worth of, of big time base stealing, but I don't see him. It'd doing be cool if he went forty forty twice. I know, especially since he already would have had it if not for that hamstring injury in twenty twenty one. He would have yeah. already had it, or 2019. So, yeah, uh, you know, I, I didn't realize how close Soriano was to having two of them. Yeah, he he had a th- he had a 39 41 season. Yep. So yeah, you don't want that. Yeah, but none of them hit 336. That's now, the. I could, I, I'd be surprised if Acuna doesn't do at least one more time, and probably a couple. Yeah. The forty homers, you can't just you can't just take that for granted though that he's going to do. That's a lot of home runs, and for a while there this year, it didn't look like he was really going to get there with the home runs. He hits them in bunches. That's what I kept, you know, as the season was going. You know, I just kept looking and I'm trying to think of a point where he just went on a home run tear, and he really didn't. But I think the reason that he's had such an amazing season, even when he was three homers away from forty, he was still shooting singles to right field. Yeah, he still just he get the he get behind in the count, get a fastball down the way and just flick it into right. He yeah. wasn't like chasing that. You could tell how much it meant to him when he got forty. I mean that that trip around the bases it was pretty obvious. He he wanted that bad, but he wasn't he wasn't just up there trying to hit bombs. And I think that's the biggest change in him that you've seen since he came up is he's willing to take a single the other way, and it makes him almost impossible to pitch to. Yeah, yeah, he's. Yeah, I don't. We we can't really say much more than we've already said about him this year. He's he's phenomenal. He's one of a kind, one of yep. a kind player. And I hope everybody really fully, and I think they do. Brace fans fully appreciate him. I hope the ones the naysayers or the ones that were maybe offended by his uh, flamboyance and all that have put that aside and gone. You know what? Screw the screw that. If he wants to do it, let him do it. Because what we're watching is Mickey Mantle, <laughs> Willie Mays, Hank Aaron type talent. That's what you're watching. Roberto yep. Clemente. You're watching the greatest of the greatest type talent. Now he's got to do it for another five years to be regarded in that like those guys. But that's the talent you're seeing. I've never had a player where I make sure I see their at bats. You know, yeah. like I if if the Braves game's gonna start, I make sure I see his first at bat. I make sure if he's coming up in the lineup, I'll be checking it on my phone. I'll be doing something with the kids. I'll be like, shit, Acuna's up in three hitters. I gotta go real quick. But I've never had a a, a player and it's not like I don't even know him, you know. It's just admiring him and his his ability. I don't know if he's a great dude or not, but I have to see him hit. I haven't had many players over the years that I'm like, I have to see everything he does. You know, he's just that exciting. And the players all feel the same way on his team and the other team. Yeah, everybody wants to watch him. Now I was talking to Harris about it. That that uh, I was I was talking to Harris about you know uh, his opposite field power and how he's always done that. And and Matt Olson was sitting. Did I, did I tell this story? Matt Olson was sitting Mm-mm. like two feet away. And, uh, and I asked, what about, what about this guy? And he goes, uh, oh, he, he, he didn't have, 
he, he didn't have that that much power. He, he knew Matt Olson was listening to him because, no, nah, I'm kidding. He's got power. He's, he, I, oh, it was country strong. He was talking about country strong. And he goes, no, I wouldn't really say country strong with him because he went to Parkview. <laughs> and I said, well, I laughed. I said, well, suburban strong? Yeah, suburban strong. He goes, privilege strong. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, is Acuna country strong? And he went, oh, yeah. <laughs> he, I don't know what he does. <laughs> it's just a, like that home run he hit to get 40 was hit like 117 miles an hour at a 20-degree yeah. launch angle. I know. I know. When other guys on other teams hit one like 112, 113, it's like a big deal. So Acuna does that routinely. He hits every like one of those every game he hits a ball every like game. that. And that's, that's the thing that – I don't think you know we didn't have these stats like when Josh Hamilton right. came up when Mike Trout was first starting Gary Sheffield I, Gary Sheffield but and get Sheffield was getting I mean he was swinging so hard yeah but oh yeah you you've never had a way to measure it right. everybody you can see it on the field but you've never had a way to measure it where yeah. this guy takes the same swing as that guy that's an all star player but the it's like if you didn't have radar guns would you know how how good Bruce Dargradable's right. fastball was yeah. Or Jose Alvarado, you know, you'd be like, that's really humming. But we've never had a way to measure it and see. And then he hits a ball. Modify it, it, yeah. It it looks like a base hit to right field. And there's just that one more thing to appreciate him about. Like, oh, he just flipped that ball to right field. No, it was 117. Yeah, it's nice. Nice to have that tool to measure, you know, to quantify how. Because you could otherwise you're just relying on people like me to say how hard the, the hardest hit guys I ever saw that hit the ball the hardest were, you know, fill in the blank were. But I wish we'd have had that tool to measure, like, the guys that come to mind, the guys that I've either watched, Cliff Floyd, Gary Sheffield, were the guys I watched that just scorched yep. balls. Gary Sheffield, I know, would lead the majors and be right up there near Acuna. Yeah. Um, and Cliff Floyd was the same way. You know, 6'5 guy, 240, 50 pounds, and he hit balls that were, whew. But um, going back, the guy that I'm always here, like Jim Leland and others compared Cliff Floyd and Gary Sheffield to was Willie McCovey, Stretch McCovey was like 6'6", 260, and they said the corner infielders just feared him, you know. Yeah. What he did. Yeah, I would have loved so, to see it in the steroid era too or when Bonds was at his peak. Oh, I mean, just, just oh, to compare God, to yeah. now. But the, I yes. bet you those guys weren't hitting the ball much harder than Acuna on all the shit they were on. Right, right. If at all. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen some of those 500-footers, uh, 500-foot-plus, 500 the, the, the exit velo, but I don't think it was more – the exit velo then was also the arc, you know, they were just hitting yeah. those moonshots that just kept going, but it's hard to imagine you could hit it any much harder than what it could. Yeah. On, on anything on earth. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll talk again, everybody. We appreciate it. Um, we'll talk again later in the week and this is it. Last week of the regular season. Braves are home every night and they're going to be trying to win. They need three. They need to win three games to, uh, uh, is the magic number for home field advantage through the World Series against both those teams? It's three games because they have they hold the that head to head tiebreaker against both the Dodgers and the Orioles, which is also nice. It's where your regular season work does pay off, you know. Yeah, and hopefully just get this. Uh, I think just finish strong, you know, or just finish with some momentum and get, get some, some guys some good outings out of the pen. Yeah, get some good relief appearances would be nice. Some of those guys that maybe coming off a bad one have a couple of good ones this last week would be. That's oh, huge for them. Derek Smith, Dick Allen, and Statcast. Yeah, Dick Allen. There's another one. <laughs> you watch the videos of that dude. Beast. How about Albert Bell on Statcast? 
Albert Bell would have been something. Mark Witten. You remember Ooh. him? And then who's the guy that played for the Red Sox? And oh my God, I saw him hit one over the over the clock at uh, Willie Orlando. Mopena. Willie Mopena. Willie yeah. Mopena. That might be the number one guy if you could have him measure his exit velo. Willie Mopena was ridiculous. See, and there'll be somebody, you know, with it now that Statcast is going and we have this, there'll be somebody that comes along that's hitting balls 120, 125. Yeah. Willie Mopena. And they might not even be a great Ooh. player, but. And who was the huge dude for the – did we mention him with, for the Mets? Big big old dude for the – Mitchell. Oh, yeah. Kevin Mitchell. Yep. <laughs> if only they could figure out a way to take the videos from those and apply StatCast to them. Come you on, think they, might, they got to think they might be able to figure something out like that. Or at least, you know, just look at where the ball lands and reverse engineer the flight. You know, <laughs> I'd, I'd like some data on that because I was watching Barry Bonds at a – yeah, you, you you see those splashdown hits at San Francisco, and they hit like ten feet beyond that walkway. I watched some Barry Bonds highlights the other day, and you can't even see the walkway where the balls land. Yeah. I mean, it's like halfway yeah. out into the ocean. Bo, I'd love yeah. to get some numbers on that. Bo I'm Jackson, with you, Gilbert. He just Bo Jackson. Yeah, he just mentioned Bo, Bo of and Glenn Allen Hill. Of course, I saw but, Glenn yeah. Allen Hill when he was uh, he was a coach in Modesto, and he was still hitting balls farther than any of the players. He had to be in his late forties. Yeah. And then going back, like guys like Ted Klazuski playing with no <laughs> sleeves. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's it. We appreciate it. We're going down a rabbit hole here. Thanks for all yep. the input, everybody. We'll talk to y'all later. 755 is real. Later. Mm-hmm.